pregnant, single, and screwing up a goddamn family tree. It's outrageous when a woman gets knocked up and then lies about it. And here's what happens after that lie goes down on records for all time. Alright, okay, I get it. She was forced to marry the guy. There was no other choice. That's the way it was done back then. She had to marry him, take on his name, and then raise their child in the name of God. It was the right thing to do. There was no other option. I get that. I get it. Archaic as the process sounds, this older social order kinda helps modern genealogy research. Bloodlines and family trees are much easier to follow when one marriage and one surname is applied to any search. Back then, people stayed together. There were fewer divorces, remarriages, step-parents, or blended families to factor in. Women didn't want to hyphenate surnames to retain their maiden names. Tracking ancestors is simple due to this fact. But then there is this unplanned pregnancy at hand. It messes up things. Sure, it was a terrible shame for her family to bear. Families received scorn for having an unwed mother in their midst. The two lovers had to marry as soon as possible to beat the arrival of the baby and to minimise that shame. The couple said they'd save themselves for their wedding day and they tried hard to be celibate, but nature came first. The fear of being shamed came in a close second. Young mothers like her, who weren't married, kept their pregnancies hidden until they figured out how to fix things. Birth dates were falsified. There were instant weddings, inexplicable missing passages of time, mysterious holidays away to foreign places to conceal shameful truths. Married aunts, sisters and other women suddenly gave birth to children they never even conceived just to protect the guilty parties who did. Who the hell knows who the real parents were? We only know what's printed on the historic records. That's all. Did I say genealogy was easier when people stayed together and lived by a single surname? Oops. Margot's been researching her family history and tree. One pattern keeps popping up. Young wives often had their babies within nine months of their wedding day. That's oddly convenient, and way too perfect to be natural. I hear you. They're young, healthy, fertile couples. Before their wedding day, abstinence would have had them bursting at the seams. And they never used contraception. They would have ripped off each other's clothes before they closed the bedroom door and humped themselves silly. It's no wonder they conceived immediately. How lovely. How perfect. It's magical. And Santa Claus is real too. More often than not, it's not the way things go down. Instead, the story most likely went something like this. A loving couple took their passion away from everyone else a month prior to their, as yet, unplanned wedding day. They appeared behind the old shed on a warm spring day like they'd done so many times before. Half-dressed and afraid of being caught, they did what nature had them do while keeping an ear out for suspicious sounds. Bingo! A wedding date was set and a baby turned up eight months later, give or take a month due to a numerical error on its birth certificate. 
the romantic story of two fertile Christians who were celibate right up to their wedding night, satisfied family and church. It was wrong, but everyone smiled and lived by the warmth of this wonderful lie. Today, we're not so afraid of shame's chilliness. An unwed mother isn't forced to marry anyone to appease her family or church. Sex and marriage aren't tied to each other anymore. You can get married and divorced many times. Children appear at any time. No problem. No guilt. No handing an unplanned child over to a childless couple to hide some shame. When it comes to genealogy, though, this new way of living will make things awkward for researchers. Future generations will have their work cut out for them when compiling today's historic lineages. And that's only half the challenge. Adding extra space on a family tree for step-siblings and parents is one thing. But what about including donor sperm dads, surrogate uteruses, egg-donating mothers, and DNA splicing? Well, that's my prediction anyway. Good luck following the branches in that mangled species of tree. Back to reality and a problem currently at hand. Margot is finding her family research frustrating because some things just don't add up. It comes down to her nose and chin. Her great-great-grandmother, Amy, doesn't have the same one. But Amy's little sister does. It's as plain as, well, the nose on their faces. There's a theory we've got that turns Mary into a mother long before records suggest she did. If it turns out that young Mary was actually knocked up earlier and her family had kept it quiet, the whole story will change. But it'll make better sense if it goes that way. And if Margot is right, it's likely that her older sister Amy and her husband John took Mary's child as their own. They were then listed as the child's biological parents. It means great-great-grandmother Amy isn't great-great-grandmother Amy at all. Mary, with an unnamed, untraceable boyfriend, is actually her great-great-grandmother. A new line of research has to be done to track every birth, marriage and death that followed her life, not Amy's. Of course, this narrative is all speculation anyway. There's no real proof it happened like this. Not at all. Not yet anyway. Speculation isn't fact. But fact can conceal lies. You either accept the facts or run down a theory until every nose and chin line up the way they should. If we didn't have photographs, we wouldn't know to look for those theories in the first place. To be honest, who knows how accurate any bloodlines are when it predates photography. We'll never know for certain why Margot's chin appears on the wrong ancestor. It just does. I'd like to believe in one thing, though. I'd like to believe that a 15-year-old Mary and her mysterious beau did a wonderful thing behind the old shed on a warm spring day. Giggles became hot kisses that turned into heavy breathing and the sounds of nervous but exquisite lovemaking. I hope two female-sized handprints were left somewhere on that shed's wall that marks the fabulous occasion. But I'm a writer with a vivid imagination. I like to think of those things, of the mysterious things that happen behind our human facade, those dates we feel we need to falsify, shame avoidance, our guilt, the secrets we hide, and the lies we tell to keep the people around us happy. I like it a lot. This has been Adult Secrets, Truths and Horrors by Michael Foreman.